Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to the Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Really focused on trying to talk some football. That's the stuff that really matters. The games, the things that were supposed to be the diversion. The rest of this college football stuff is starting to feel too much like real life, if you ask me. Our next guest is all over Utah football. He's the guy. Josh Newman on the Utah beat. You can read him and read his work at KSL, among other places. Man of the world. Father, husband, beat reporter extraordinaire, joining us now, bagel expert, what else? Josh Newman, how you doing? John, John, the check's in the mail, man. I really appreciate that open. <laughs> I owe you one there. You're, uh, you're like, you've got opinions on a lot of things. I've noticed you've been tweeting about bagels. I've seen you tweet about um, movies. You have interests that go uh, all over the place. You are truly a man of the world. Where do you get a good bagel in Salt Lake City? I don't know. When you find out, let me know. <laughs> I'm serious. It's, it's, it's a dire situation out here, John. <laughs> I love that. No, Gosh. I had a friend. No, seriously, I had a friend in Salt Lake City. who uh, he, went to, uh, he went to New York for a couple of days, and he texted me. He's like, do you want me to bring back bagels? And I'm like, look, if you have room in your luggage, can you do a dozen? And he brought me back a dozen, and it was all my hopes and dreams realized in the first bite. Like, everybody needs a friend like my friend who brought back a dozen New York bagels. Give me an idea, because, you know, I go to Starbucks or I go to the place called New York Bagels and I get a bagel. Uh, what What's the difference when you're in New York or in the East Coast and you get a good bagel? It's the water. And I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be a chemist, but, like, it's the water, and it's, like, handmade, and it's, like, the boiling, you know, the boiling temperature, the, mm. the exact moment. I don't know how they do it, but it's funny. Like, you can't find a good bagel in Salt Lake City, but you can find pretty pretty good pizza, which doesn't make any sense because bagels and pizza go together, right? It's all dough, mm. the water, mm-hmm. the flour, the kneading, the whole thing. So I don't know. I don't know. Whoever, whoever in Salt Lake City or even in the surrounding neighborhoods, whoever figures out, the, you know, the bagel situation – They'll have my money for all all of eternity. I promise. That's why people come to the show. Josh Newman in Salt Lake City <laughs> laying down bagel news. Um, speaking of, um, Kyle Whittingham is talking about you know his quarterback conundrum. Can you can you kind of unpack it? Like quarterback one, quarterback two. You know where are the questions? Has Cam Rising been cleared? Like just can we lift the fog on the quarterback situation for a minute? Yeah, just a brief recap in case people are not aware. Cam Rising uh, tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl on January 2nd. So since that, it's now been a race against the calendar, a race against the clock to see if he can get ready for the opener on August 31st. Uh, Surgery was a success over the winter. He missed spring ball. He's been a limited participant in uh, fall camp, but there has been optimism. In some spots, there's been optimism that Rising could go. Behind Rising, you have three guys. You have Brandon Rose, Nate Johnson, and Bryson Barnes all vying for QB2. And not only are they vying for QB2, they are vying to become essentially the most viable option to start a game if Rising cannot go. Brandon Rose was hurt in the first scrimmage. He's going to be out a while. So now it's Bryson Barnes who, you know, if you watch the last couple of Rose Bowls, right, he came in, he came in 
uh, in relief of Rising, who was hurt in each of the last two Rose Bowls. You know, he's got a bit of a resume. He, he's a known commodity at this point, older guy, has the trust of Kyle Whittingham, has the trust of Andy Ludwig, uh, the offensive coordinator, but he's limited in what he can do. Uh, Nate Johnson is this kind of hyper-athletic four-star kid who, you know, has, has all the tools. Uh, redshirt freshman, he, he started last season on the scout team. He got uh, promoted to the to the varsity roster, so to speak, and, and spent the last, like, 75% of last season as QB3. So where are we now? Uh, the week started on Monday. I felt, you know, just listening to Kyle Whittingham and listening to Andy Ludwig and getting some intel, I felt like it was a real, genuine 50-50 that Rising could go on August 31st. As this week has kind of wore on, I'm less optimistic that Rising can go uh, he has not been cleared yet. You know, that came from his mouth today on local radio. Okay, Ryzen said that he is not cleared yet. So you're looking at the calendar. It's like, well, we're playing a game in a week, and you don't have full clearance yet. And even if you've got full clearance, let's, you know, in a vacuum, okay, let's say Ryzen is cleared tomorrow, you still don't have many, if any, padded practice opportunities to get with the first-team offense, knock the rust off, do what you have to do. He's been practicing with the first-team offense, but he's been limited, right? Can't move laterally, can't get hit. Obviously, he's not going 11-on-11 team stuff. He just hasn't done it yet. So now I'm kind of working under, under the assumption, uh, cautiously, that we're out of time to get rising ready. So then it becomes Barnes versus Johnson. Uh, Barnes had a slight lead there, okay? Kyle Whittingham said on Monday that Nate Johnson has really taken – advantage of the increased reps and the increased opportunity since Brandon Rose is out. But I think the trust, I think ultimately, I think the trust in the experience that Bryson Barnes has gives him the advantage in this battle versus Johnson. Johnson has all the upside. Johnson's electric. Johnson has a much higher ceiling than Bryson Barnes. Long term, yeah, I'd probably go Nate Johnson. But if you're talking about one game, this opener, this game, who is going to play the quarterback, the safe, rational move to me is to go with Bryson Barnes if Rising ultimately cannot go. Could could you foresee Kyle Whittingham deciding, yeah, I'm going to start Bryson Barnes, but I'm going to bring in Nate Johnson and let him play situationally? Oh, 100%. I, I, would, I would put money on that. Uh, you know, you saw late last season, you know, there, there was a, a package installed for Nate Johnson. Look, Nate Johnson's first two collegiate touches were a nine-yard touchdown run against Stanford, and in, uh, an eight-yard touchdown run against Stanford. Following week, they throw him in there, you know, second and something inside the red zone. His one and only collegiate pass is a 16-yard touchdown pass. So if Bryson Barnes starts, there will still be a role for Nate Johnson. He's, you know, when I say, when I say he's athletic and capable, this kid ran like 10-5 for the 100 meters in the state of California, finished in the top uh, three or four last year in the state, or two years ago in the state of California in the 100-meter dash. He, he's going to play, okay? He's too, uh, he's too capable. He's too athletic. Uh, there's too much, again, there's too much ceiling. There's too much upside. I mean, I could see, I could certainly see a situation where, like, between the 20s or between the 25s, it's Bryson Barnes. And then once you get into, like, money territory inside the 20 inside the 10 i could see them going to nate johnson one way or the other nate johnson is going to play okay it's just a matter of will he start or will he come in in relief of barnes in a situational capacity we're talking to josh newman in salt lake city he's talking about utah football the utes will host florida next thursday in their season opener in week one will will they be run heavy if if it is barnes slash johnson 
Do you expect that the packages will be a little more conservative? Won't ball won't be in the air like it normally is? That's a great question. I mean, if it was, you know, look, if it's rising, it's one thing. I do think if it's Barnes, it's another thing. Look, Andy Ludwig's scheme uh, and philosophy and what they want to do in, in a general sense, that's not going to change regardless of, of who the quarterback is. What you're going to see, though, if it's Bryson Barnes, it's going to be a different level of play calling. Like if rising is in there, they were calling, you know, 8, 10, 12 designed runs every game for rising because that's his skill set. That's not what you want Barnes doing. And, no, you don't want Bryson Barnes slinging the rock, you know, 30, 35 times. That's not a recipe for success. I think, you know, I think what you're going to see is if it's Barnes, I think your play calling is going to be, you know, not vanilla, but, you know, safe, okay, short, medium, uh, you know, take care of the ball. That's all Kyle ultimately wants from Bryson Barnes is just take care of the ball. And, look, I've said this for months, okay, on your show, on other shows, like Utah can win this opener against Florida if it's Bryson Barnes or if it's Nate Johnson, but if you're going with your backup, he needs help, okay? Your offensive line has to win up front. Your running back room led by Jaquindon Jackson has to – has to do its job. It would be really helpful if Brand Keithy, who is also coming back from ACL surgery, this is like the like the forgotten storyline this summer in the middle of this rising stuff is that Brand Keithy is still not cleared off ACL surgery like ten and a half months ago. So if it's Barnes, it would be very helpful if Brand Keithy played. Let me also say this: the times that Bryson Barnes has played during his career, you know, even with the you know the Washington State game last year, right, where uh, where Rising couldn't go. Barnes won that game, essentially saved the season for Utah. Bryson Barnes has never played in a game where the game plan was geared towards him. Okay, the two Rose Bowls and mop-up duty during his career. Even the Washington State game last year, yeah, there was a possibility that he was going to play Okay, during that week, but that game plan was geared towards rising. Even as rising kind of you know, was a late scratch, like 45 minutes before kickoff. So if it is Barnes, I'm very curious to see what he can do with a game plan tailored towards him. He's never had the benefit of that. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting dynamic here as the days go along. Is it going to be Barnes? And if it's Barnes, how much time does Andy Ludwig need to really install a plan centered around this particular quarterback? I want to ask you about number 87, Thomas Yasmin. He came into that Pac-12 championship game and had like a 60-yard touchdown reception, and I thought, gosh, Utah's got all these tight ends. Will he be on the field if, if in fact, you know, the tight tight end room is what we think it's going to be? Yeah, he'll be on the field, you know, regardless. Uh, look, they they like to go 12 personnel, you know, 13 personnel in, in some in some cases, right? The 21 team that went to the Rose Bowl, you know, the first Rose Bowl team, that team went a ton of 13 personnel, not as much 13 personnel last season, especially once Keithy went down with the ACL. But, you know, assuming Keithy is healthy, you know, either for the opener or at some point, yeah, you're going to see Keithy and Yasmin on the field at the same time. And Yasmin is kind of this, you know, success story, right? You know, not from this country, came over from Australia, grew up playing rugby, uh, you know, essentially turned down a pro contract to play rugby as a, as a teenager in an effort to play American football and get the American education. And it's been, been kind of a slow burn here, you know, for Thomas Yasmin. Three years, four years, he really showed some flashes last year okay caught the touchdown in the Pac-12 championship game as you alluded to caught a touchdown in the Rose Bowl last year against Penn State I think a lot of things are expected out of Thomas Yasmin and I think this is at the point where 
if he produces again or produces at a higher level, it's not that crazy to think that Thomas Yasmin could be a day two or a, a day three draft pick. And I think that's a testament to, you know, coaching him up and Freddie Whittingham, the tight ends coach, and what they've really been able to do with what they have at their disposal. I don't want to get too in the weeds and ask this kind of question, but I'm going to ask it. The kicking game hasn't been great at Utah, in, and I think it goes back maybe a couple of seasons. And I know they got a transfer maybe from Colorado, but what's the kicking game look like? Uh, kicking game, you know, you were pretty PC about that, okay? I'll, I'll go a little further, all right? The kicking game has been a gong show. Gong show for most of the last two years. Um, you know, the 21 <laughs> – aren't you glad you had me on, John? Yeah. Um, the uh, the 21 season specifically was a mess. Uh, you know, field goal attempts, you know, were getting blocked. Uh, punts were getting blocked and returned for touchdowns. Even last year, I mean, you got to the point last year late in the regular season that they weren't even trotting out their field goal unit at all. If you were like fourth and six, fourth and seven, like just inside plus territory or even in field goal range, you were just going for it because you just didn't trust your kicking game. Cole Becker can help that. You know, you look at Cole Becker's raw numbers, he's good. He's solid. Um, he was very good at Colorado for a couple of years. I think they've upgraded their place kicking game. And, you know, the punting stuff with Jack Baumeister, punting was solid last year. Um, you know, no, no real major flaws or major complaints about the punting unit last year, um, and I wouldn't expect any now. Again, with a veteran, uh, a veteran punter in Baumeister, right year two in the program. Um, I think you know. I know you asked me about kicking, but you know, special teams is kind of this interesting case, right? Because you had Britton Covey, who was this shorthanded kick returner, punt returner for years, right? Now you know, playing for the Eagles, right? Just played in the Super Bowl. Remember the name Micah Pittman, okay? You should know the name Micah yeah. Pittman, right? Played yeah. for Oregon, played for Florida State. I think you're going to see him as like the primary punt returner, and that's probably going to be an upgrade over Devon Vale, who did a you know an admirable job last year, you know, returning punts. They didn't ask a ton out of Vale, just just catch the ball. That was the mandate for Vale. I think you're going to see a lot more out of Pittman, and maybe taking some more chances, you know, allowing him to return punts. He, he's he's very very capable. When you look at Vale in that receiver room, and you you talk about Pittman in there, I mean, is is that a better group this year, or is it just different? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't think we know the answer to that yet. I think on paper, I think it is better. Uh, look, this is my coming up on my fourth season covering Utah. Okay, I, I started during that weirdo 2020 COVID year, and each of the previous three off seasons, the wide receiver room has, has always been this question mark. Like, you know, do they have the guys? Can they step up? Can Vele be a number one guy? Right. That was the question going into last year. Now, look. Some of that is you have or you had arguably the best tight end room in, in the country back in 2021 between Keithy and Dalton Kincaid and Cole Fotheringham. And you know or you knew that Keithy and Kincaid were going to combine for, you know, 24, 26 targets and Rising was going to continue to look for them. So part of the lack of wide receiver production is your tight ends are really good, one. But also, yeah, Rising should maybe spread around a little bit if the if the tight end thing in a particular game is not panning out. So this particular wide receiver room, certainly the best that I've seen in my four years here between Devon Bailey, who again, you know, proved to, you know, be that capable number one guy uh, and money park who's now a veteran kid, uh, Micah Pittman, uh, Emery Simmons, who's a, a transfer from Indiana. The, the, the name to remember here is uh, Mikey Matthews. Okay. Mikey Matthews is, 
a freshman slot receiver really showed some things during spring ball. Okay, Kyle Whittingham gave the you know the loose comparison to Mikey Matthews of Britton Cubby. All right, and he kind of started a, a fire among fans because if you're telling fans that they're getting a second version of Cubby, they're going to be excited. But the point is, he's got some of the same attributes and the same attitude and the same willingness to learn. So, um, bit of a veteran room with help from the transfer portal with Micah Pittman, with Emory Simmons, but Mikey Matthews like seems to be seems to be coming on, seems to have the goods. Maybe maybe won't start in the slot because that's probably going to Pittman. But Matthews will be on the two deep tomorrow when it gets released, finally. Josh, let me ask you. We've talked bagels. We've talked quarterbacks. We've talked tight ends and kickers. <laughs> i got to ask you, you know, this season feels weird. You know, the farewell season, the last season, whatever we're going to call this thing. How is Utah – how does that narrative affect Utah, if at all? I don't think it does. I, I think this staff, you know – Whittingham specifically has has done a really good job of keeping the locker room kind of like singularly focused on what's immediately in front of you. Like nobody's worried about the Big 12 and nobody's worried about having to go to Baylor on September 9th. You know, the singular focus is right now and August 31st and what the possibilities are. You know, there's no, you know, there's no farewell tour, right? There's not going to be any tears that, you know, that rising and leaving after this year. So it's, it's been a very interesting build-up to now, okay? Because if you think about what last year was, with everybody back, right? You know, you won the Rose Bowl in 21, and you brought back everybody, right? You had Rising and Tavion Thomas and the two tight ends, and your defense was pretty stacked. And every day, every day last year for nine months was geared towards the opener at Florida. And it was palpable, and it was exhausting, okay? But now we haven't gotten that everyday thing for nine months but it, look people are excited sure but i also think there is like a little bit of trepidation among fans because you don't know what rising status is and you don't know if he can play in the opener and if he doesn't play in the opener well okay will nine days before baylor can he get back for baylor and then there's this you know there's, there's this other subset of fans where it's like you know what don't rush him back just as long as he's ready for september 23rd against ucla for the pac-12 opener that's fine. So again, um, a lot of excitement. You know, I'll, you know, people are ready to get the season going. But I, I do get the vibe that like people don't quite know what to make of this group until they know what rising status is. I cannot wait to see this game. I'll be there on that Thursday night at Rice Eccles Stadium to write about it, cover it. I will see you in the press box, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. There he is, Josh Newman. From Salt Lake City, where you can't get a good bagel. I should bring him a bagel when I go to the press box. Stephen, um, you and I disagree on this game. This spread on this game opened at Utah minus nine. It went to nine and a half. I reached out to Jay Cornegay at the Westgate Superbook yesterday, and I said, what is going on with this line? Because it went from nine and a half suddenly down to nine, eight and a half, eight, Seven and a half, six, you know, it's, I don't know where it is now. I, I got a feeling it's going to end up at like three and a half. Is it at four and a half, four now? Where is the line on this game? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It, it's at five. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, not a not a key number in betting, but is that five right now is going down. But the, the interesting one is the total is at 45 points, very low total in that one. And I just, John, if Cam Rising doesn't play, I don't know how I can put confidence in Utah to be able to throw the football. And I know that Florida isn't good and they weren't good last season, even though they beat Utah. But 
they still got athletes on that defensive line. And I will think I just think that the Utah's gonna be a little too one sided, uh, one dimensional running the football in that game. They won't be able to put it, you know, put the ball through the air. If Rising plays, I think it's no problem. But I don't I don't think Cam Rising's playing based off what Josh Newman was saying there. It, to me it didn't sound like there was a lot Sounds of Sounds like he's not. But isn't Florida like a five and a half win team? Like they are, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, mediocre. But, his, like, but historically, Florida's usually like an eight and a half team. So is it just one of those things where we're over, we're, you know, we're taking too much value of what happened last season? Maybe. End of the year. I can't get it out of my head with that, how that they too. looked in yeah, the, the Vegas Bowl. And they were just inept against Oregon State, the ba- Vegas Bowl. But um, I look, I, I think he made a good point about, you know, Bryson Barnes, if he is the starter. Here's Andy Ludwig. You've got a game plan for him. This isn't 10 minutes before kickoff like when they were playing Washington State on that Thursday night. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. I think it's a tremendously compelling week one game uh, in the Pac-12 lineup. And I will be there. The show will be there. I'll be live from Rice-Eccles Stadium in the run-up to kickoff uh, next Thursday, a week from today. And, and then we'll be on to uh, the Bay Area to see Oregon State play at San Jose State. So uh, we'll have all the coverage right here on the show, and I'll have uh, all the game columns and writing from the road at johnconzano.com, along with photo galleries. Got five or six photographers on the road in week one at various stadiums, including Autzen Stadium. Got a photographer in San Jose to shoot the uh, Oregon State game. Got a photographer that will be at Rice-Eccles Stadium to shoot the Utah game. So going to have a lot of live action and galleries. If you want any of that, Grab a free subscription right now at johnconzano.com. Coming up, John Papadakis, the crooner and former USC linebacker. Our next guest, superstar, man of the world, true renaissance man. When we're talking about the uh, the ability to, uh, to uh, sing or tackle you or open a restaurant or just hold a good conversation, uh, John Papadakis was a defensive standout for USC. The singing linebacker went on to become a uh, booster and a restaurant owner and, of course, the father to Petros Papadakis, uh, who uh, you can catch on FS1 this college football season. But John Papadakis joining us now. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you. How was my intro? Was I, did I do okay? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. You can throw in their civic planner, too. Civic planner. I love that. Yeah. Hey, give me an idea. You're, you got a concert coming up. Oh, yeah. Said, I've got a yeah tell me about it. Yeah. Well, people say, you know, they say, well, you sound uh, a lot like Tony Bennett. And I tell them, gee, does he sound like me? So, <laughs> you know, yeah. I've always loved his music. I remember just as a kid putting my ear to the hi-fi set and and listening i would even listen to his stuff before games you know because uh of the depth of his voice and his ability to soar with it i mean really hit the heights and express you know real clear feelings at the same time not screaming singing i love that i'm i was crazy about you know his his ability to to portray the feelings that the writer of the music intended. And it seems as if he gives that kind of portrayal every time he really interprets a song. So I've always loved his music, and I find that of the three albums I've done so far, two-thirds of the songs were really, you know, originally recorded by Tony Bennett. Or 
he had a great version of them, you know, and they're moving to me. So his music's always moved me. And I, and I think that uh, applying myself to it's going to bring out the best in my, my abilities. You're playing football at USC in the 1970s. Sam, Bam, Cunningham on your team. Just great history, great time, wonderful stories that you've shared with us over the years. But what was that experience like for you? And did you know at that time that you had a love of music? Or was that something that, you know, did you always think, well, maybe someday I could do that? We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.